0: Keeping with our running theme of exploring the UFOs, cryptids, and hauntings of states, today we're moving on to Vermont. This is a conundrum of a state. It has the most UFO sightings, but it has some of the least reported and documented cases. As we dive into those peculiarities, we're also going to take some time to define UFO organizations that we've hinted at before. We also have a Betty and Barney Hill upcoming connection, so stay tuned. Everybody, welcome to a new episode of the Chaos and Shadow Podcast. My name is Kyle and I'm joined here by my co-host Pagan. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, three three reads of our pre-roll later, and then we're into the episode. This is I'm excited for this one, Pagan. This is a another UFO one, which which we always enjoy. Um, and, and we're going to dive into this case. You guys heard that pre-roll, so I won't harp on it much. Um, did want to say though, we are working on some really cool stuff, uh, especially on YouTube for those that haven't checked it out. I did a shadow people in sleep paralysis episode that came out this past Monday and uh mm-hmm. so people are already listening to this in the archived feed if you're listening to this on youtube this episode or, or on the podcast feed you it's already out but there's a betty and barney hill minisode that's out so if you didn't catch the previous episode of betty and barney hill where pegan and i talked about for a full hour you're going to be able to get a nice like 10 12 minute one up on youtube because um, again they're going to come up today and we're going to talk all about it so are you ready pegan this is a
1: i am excited I, I'm kind we of are in a brand new space as well, so this is great indeed. A we're brand new state
0: moving on. Uh, you know, we've, we've done what now, uh, Maine, New Hampshire, mm-hmm. and finally Vermont. I guess we can also yes. tease that we're kind of planning Massachusetts to tie in with Halloween. So, wait for the month yes. of October, we're going to be going ham on that state. Um, some Salem witch trial stuff, it's going to be good. But, uh, diving into this one, this was so fascinating, Pagan, because. I'll just say search results on Google for UFOs related to Vermont, they, they don't exist. There's there's yeah. such little information that it reminded me of going back to Maine for a second where we just struggle to dig into quality cases. And I'll set this up in saying it's interesting because according to, I guess, a lot of mainstream media are a. Uh, people picked this up but we chose Mm -hmm. one from usa today that quoted vermont as the best place to look for ufos at least it's the best place in the northern states they gave it the full crown jewels though like they were like if you're gonna find it vermont that's kind of strange wasn't it like the lack of info That is really strange
1: and you know you and i talked about this a lot when we were doing our research for it that you know, we're sitting there and we're trolling through Google and we're trying to find these cases and all that. And there just was nothing. Not a blip on the radar. Nothing. Yeah. It was quiet, like unusually creepy, quiet.
0: And it makes me wonder if this goes back to something with of the kind of the same ideas, Maine, we talked about the low population. Um, we had mm-hmm. talked about all these different like little reasons that might hinder some UFO reporting. Um, this is one that should actually help in in the reporting. It's sad that it doesn't lead to much more detail being shared. But I like that the USA Today article actually showed what amount of households are without Internet per state. Um, it's something I only got to look at a very, very small um, bit in this. But basically, Vermont, only 13 percent of their population without Internet. That's the 23rd lowest state uh, in terms of, you know having an internet connection there so a lot of people are connected you know there's some states that are upwards of Mm -hmm. 20 plus percent of the population so they've got a lot of internet connection maybe that's why we were seeing such a bulk of reports but then not someone to follow through and investigate deeper
1: yeah that was the one thing i really didn't like about our research is there were so many reports literally hundreds of reports Mm -hmm. chat and the, the weird thing about it was that we just could not find any news articles, not even really any government kind of stuff to back anything up. It was just somebody had taken the report and basically did the whole kind of X-Files kind of thing, which is interesting. We have a tie into X-Files here in a little bit, but we'll get to that later. And we do. But tying it to X-Files, they just kind of shoved it in some, you know, filing cabinet in the basement. Well, virtual filing cabinet in the basement of the Internet and just was like, "Eh, whatever. Nobody's going to want to see these. Moving
0: on. You are not wrong. And I will I will call out here that USA Today and um, some of the others that picked this up all did some little math on their own part where they kind of took into account total sightings versus population versus Mm -hmm. all, all kinds of different things like that. Again, the Internet without. Or households without internet. So they did some math, but it just surprised me. We actually stumbled upon the National UFO Reporting Center. Uh, We came across a big list of theirs where it was very Mm -hmm. up to date. I mean, they're still actively doing it. I think the latest one we had seen was like August 20th. We're recording this on September 3rd. So it had been updated within the last two weeks. And there were tons of reports broken down by what type of craft, uh, I mean, locations, all that good stuff, timing. Mm-hmm. And then they would include some anecdotes, some other information. But there it sits as just like kind of a one-liner. just a one-off. No no follow-up. And that's that makes me sad.
1: Yeah, it really did make me sad. And it, the, the thing that kind of bugged me, we'll actually talk about a couple of those reports that we found that kind of had some meat on their bones as we were talking while we were doing our research. Mm-hmm. A lot of the claims didn't have any meat to them. There was no follow-up. There was nothing, you know. Yep. And don't get me wrong. I completely can understand why there is no follow-up. Because if we actually look at the estimated cost for to run, I think, just the website. Uh,
0: uh, yeah, I don't know was, if this is just website. I'm not sure. This one might be more. I'm just going to preface that. I think this okay. is the whole well, organization.
1: The organization as a whole was uh, roughly about five hundred to five thousand dollars a month,
0: mm-hmm. which
1: is a lot of money.
0: Yeah, and that's so, the National you know, UFO Reporting Center too, specifically. Yes, that
1: is correct. And that organization, they probably get, I would say, hundreds of sightings a month. Yeah, across the U.S., maybe even the world. I don't
0: know. Yeah, but I think I know they may sure just operate here. I think they're just U.S. because they're the National UFO Reporting Center. So okay. they'd, they'd probably throw in some other names if they're going overseas. But, yeah, so we looked into their background a bit. Davenport, well, full disclosure, we got this off of Wikipedia. They had this nicely put together that Davenport, the, the founder of National UFO Reporting Center, the one that's leading it currently, says that, yeah, estimated $5,000 a month of cost. So. And it's entirely funded by him. There are other donations, but there's no true funding mechanism. So when we talk about these organizations, and we're going to dive a little bit more into NICAP today, when we've teased before, um, they are very hard to run because our government definitely doesn't support them and maybe even tries to screw with them and, and kind of just get in their hair and make it hard you know, you've heard that the term like government spooks who are out there, you know, CIA spooks, people that go around and give misinformation. They they mislead. Um, and there's been serious cases. We're going to dive into one, I, I think, when we cl- kind of get closer into the central U.S. But there is a man who was kind of driven crazy by uh, I think there were people from the FBI. Again, we'll touch on it later. We'll tell a whole story. But like they've got some seriously bad Cred under their belt as the government in in messing with those in the ufology field. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's it's a tough one. Without further ado, though, let's let's kind of tie some things together. We're going to be doing some, some housekeeping, too. So an interesting find for Vermont was a Betty and Barney Hill tie-in, and that was East Mountain, which actually served as a radar uh, location. It was United States Air Force, North Concord Air Force Station, it was ground-based radar, like I was saying, and it was built in 1955. It later got its name changed to Lindenville Air Force Station in 62, and closed one year later in 1963. The cool thing is, that station was in operation when the Hills were having their UFO sighting slash abduction in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. And even more on the nose, that Concord reported an unidentified flying object sighted in 1961, just a couple hours before Benny and uh, Betty and Barney Hill saw the UFO. So yes. that's wild. And it stayed on the radar for 18 minutes. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. That's wild, Pagan. So, I mean, I'm also a little bit, I I remember seeing a bit of this, but I feel remiss that we almost didn't mention it before. Uh, But this part gets so excluded often. Like, I don't see the East Mountain facility brought up as much when you start looking into Betty and Barney Hill.
1: It really doesn't come up a whole lot, which I I do kind of feel remiss that we didn't bring it up as well. But at the same time, our Betty and Barney Hill case was so big that we literally almost didn't get everything into it and we still probably could have found more information yeah and i believe that really and truly that when it comes to betty and barney hill that they are kind of the ufo founding case at least in the united states
0: yes they were good reminder they were the very first ufo abduction in north america so again you know if you want to get your Betty and Barney Hill on we did a whole hour's worth we dived in but I think this is going to be an interesting thing going forward where we do continue to find little tie-ins and as if our audience wants us to we'll continue to bring them up to you uh, even if it's not just in that same episode we want to try and get the most <laughs> honest truth out there as, as we can find it and again that doesn't happen overnight so thanks for bearing with us like I I'm just I don't know. That was a really compelling case to begin with. So seeing them mentioned again, just it felt really on the nose.
1: (laughs) And it's also really interesting to note that one of the cases we're going to talk about here in a little bit actually does have some similarities to Betty and Barney Hill.
0: I kind of noticed that
1: when I was doing my kind of review before I jumped on the call today and everything else. I kind of read that and I was like, wow, that sounds a lot like Betty and Barney Hill. So we'll talk about that in a little bit, which I'm excited to talk Me
0: about. Me too. Let's, let's next get, let's transition because we're, we're working through, you know, we kind of talked about, uh, very briefly, you know, we talked the, the National UFO Reporting Center, but let's talk a predecessor uh, to that concept, which is NICAP. We brought them up in the Betty and Barney Hill episode, but I didn't want to give you guys information when I only knew the basics. I think at the time I said, oh, it's Blue Book Adjacent. Blue Book being an official government program to investigate UFOs, where NICAP was actually a a private enterprise put together. Enterprise might be the wrong word, but private organization. So (laughs) NICAP stands for National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomenon, and that was founded back in October 24th of 1956 by inventor Thomas Townsend Brown. Now, this was by no means a good, safe launch of a program, because they almost immediately got into financial troubles. Uh, I, I should say that this also had a really prestigious board of governors, including Donald Kehoe, who, again, is going to be someone we talk about in the future. United States Marine Corps retired, and then the former chief of the Navy's guided missile program, uh, Delmer Farney of the U. uh, What's that? United States Navy. United States Navy. All these acronyms all of a sudden just threw me for a loop. Uh, So, so we get we get this. Just the board alone was prestigious, and then all of their members from there on were people that were PhD holders. They some were actually professors teaching, others were. Uh, in the engineering fields Like actually working on getting Aircraft and other things, propulsion uh, I think they mentioned that somewhere In JPL and Skunk Works So Jet Propulsion Labs It is a cool Sounding organization from the start But man, Pagan, yeah. that financial Trouble It's pretty rough
1: Oh, that financial trouble, indeed And wasn't it just uh, a couple Of months after uh, Oh, what's his name Uh, keyhole
0: took over that they ran into financial trouble. So, yeah, let's clear that water a bit. It's, it's a (laughs) they have a couple blunders before then. So, first, we had Townsend who was leading it, right? That was the founder, Mm -hmm. Thomas Townsend Brown founds nycat and uh, that founding again was October of 56. By January of 57, three months later. they were already in huge financial trouble to the point that uh, that ta- that Brown had to step down from it. So he he steps down. Farney takes charge of the program, and that doesn't make things any better. By April of 1957, again three months later, Farney stepping down from NICAP citing personal issues. So in this case, his wife was getting gravely ill. And like you were saying, now, finally, the buck gets passed to Kehoe, we mentioned earlier, uh, took place or took charge at this point and started to get things floating. Kind of. Fairly. Yeah. The reports say that by 58, NICAT had over 5000 members in it. Kehoe's financial management skills had helped with that. And they were using all kinds of different plans and tactics of, of getting their audience involved, including newsletters. And it helped that there were some a UFO flap, some recurring cases of UFOs going on that the public was very interested. And so when they were, you know, still struggling through the 1950s and 60s, they were able to manage to grow it from that 5,000 high to actually their peak of fourteen thousand members spread across the U.S. Pretty prestigious amount of people there. Like that's
1: that is a lot of people. That's a lot of people interested in UFO activity.
0: Yeah, and a non-funded, like non-governmentally funded. Um, you know what we talked about earlier that these these groups can cost up to five thousand dollars to actually put together, and that. That's a more recent sort of thing, right, with the National UFO Group, because they have the technology. When I started diving into this NICAP stuff, we're seeing these guys uh, in the 50s thinking about how cool it would be to have computer programs to be able to do what we can do now, like sifting through vast amounts of reports.
1: Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's interesting to also think about during that time period. Yes, there were types of computers, but like the computers were not readily available like we have in my household alone we have four computers not including cell phones not including gaming consoles and just computers that's four computers in my household and to think that these guys were not using computer technology instead they were boots on the ground digging through all that information i mean i couldn't even imagine trying to do that kind of research with boots on the ground yeah, it would be cool. But men, would it be just crazy?
0: So uh, this is a cool one, Peggy, because this isn't even our, like it's in it's in our notes. But I didn't I didn't blow it out in there. But I, I, I read through this amazing CIA document that is up on mm-hmm. CIA.gov where they talk about this. is CIA reporting on NICAP. They went through and did a full organizational breakdown, even hand sketching here at the very end. We'll have these all on our show notes and stuff. So you guys can check it out on your own, too, in the feed. Uh, But they've got, like, hand-drawn organizational diagrams and stuff, but basically went on to say how impressive of uh, a—like, the CIA was just impressed of what an organization these guys had put together on their own. They had— Again, those Ph.D. holding and and those that didn't have Ph.D.s, like many of them had some degree of college education. Uh, Others all had they they all had some sort of credential, I guess, is the way to put it. They've worked in the field or otherwise. Then on top of that, they've all been trained through NICAP's own reporting mechanisms. You know, they've got them Mm -hmm. recording it in a standardized way. And then finally, what I thought really stood out was that uh, they were having people in about an hour like these people when they signed up they'd have to at least be willing to go 50 miles from their location to an hour so like they were getting committed members who are willing to get in their cars get out there in the field talk to people actually record this stuff i'm seeing at one point here in the notes seven phds within the group two masters of arts or science degrees i think it's 23 that have like bachelors or some other kind of equivalency And then so on and so forth. We got physical scientists, engineers, college professors, specialists, doctors, technicians, computer programmers, and businessmen. Oh, pilots, 35, to top it off.
1: (laughs) 35 pilots that were like, yes, I'm down with the UFOs. Let's do this.
0: Yeah. So like, I, I don't know. I guess this is a coming together and talking about, again, a concept we wanted to share with you guys before. But just to talk about how sad it is to kind of lose some of these groups and how... Um, as we go forward and continue doing this podcast to kind of set some people up to see why now still in 2020, we're just struggling to match together the huge amounts of reports, the mm-hmm. follow up that needs to be done to really validate a story and the crushing economics that, that go along with it. And Agreed. if you let me out, I'll, I'll kind of read you guys out on what happened in ICAP because their their end is is a little bit of a sad one here it is sad so again pulling from our our friends over on wikipedia that we tracked back again they talk about these same things in the cia document here but i liked like how this was summed up so again a little after the 60s um they say by now the organization was all but paralyzed by infighting including unsubstantiated charges that the cia had infiltrated nicat in fact several persons with the cia ties had joined nicat however their motives and reasons for joining had been subject to some debate well not really uh anymore because clearly the cia was paying huge attention to that organization uh as we Mm -hmm. see by these documents where they definitely had someone keeping tabs on all of the membership checking them out oh also the CIA kind of got the budget for this. NICAT was operating on a $40,000 a year budget back in 1960.
1: Yeah. That is wild. That's a lot of money for back in 1960.
0: Yeah, let's do a quick here on the side. So if I can pull this up quickly. Um, oh, I want to do $40,000 to current USD. Let's see if like, Google gives us a nice one. Um, Is Google not going to tell me buying power of it relating to now? Did you do 1960s? Yeah, it gave me it's given me some interesting breakdowns, but it's not giving me like a cool comparison. Oh, well, I'll find it and stick it in here towards. Oh, no need. $349,000 a year. (laughs) Okay, so that's. That's a lot. Peg and I couldn't run this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's so much. i mean i i
1: have to give it to, to i believe it was kiho that ultimately was the last one stabilizer correct
0: mm-hmm. yep
1: and so by that point there were so many people that had joined so much that was going on could you imagine that kind of money that's being shelled out
0: uh-huh.
1: and you have so many cases that were probably also getting reported but they were it was harder to get those reports in i don't even know how they would get those reports to those people that's just it's wild to think about and i mean i don't know i want to know more about nicap because of the fact i want to know how they got the reports there i want to know how they even were like okay this is some yahoo that's down on at the Seven Eleven. i don't even know if they had 7 back there chat but anyway that's not the point <laughs> Well, but, you know, if it's talking about UFOs. I don't even know if that would be like a substantiated thing or if they just had like CIA kind of skills where they just were like, oh, this person on Maple Street in this town found a UFO. And it's like, how do you know?
0: Did they tell you this? It, it right? is interesting. I think people were reaching out and they clearly had a very like they they were organized again to what the cia said um so to kind of add on so this closed down in the 80s um specifically 1980 um and one clarification because you you asked me about kehoe a second ago being there till the end well actually pagan i i agreed with you too quickly uh john acuff became the director going into the 70s who was then also replaced by then alan hall so Are we kind of seeing a a head, like a a leadership issue? Because I'm feeling a crisis here where it's like recurring bankruptcy and then scandal and then take, you know, they immediately call for that person's removal from the board. That's just never good for any group, any business. Just keep changing heads that fast. And they were only active for... 24 years and they went through over five plus heads of the organization that's that's really rough like i'm seeing now how NICAP both managed to get those reports in a way through their skill and training and and professionalism but yet Mm -hmm. also blunder it at the same time with this Actually, someone accused in one of these documents accused them of being authoritarian, <laughs> so they had their own, like, accidental mini-regime. There might have been by that own accord then. I'm, I'm speculating here, but maybe that relates to, like, an element of fear within the organization where people just felt like their time was not worth it or X, Y, and Z. Again, that's my speculation, but if you're afraid within the organization, that's just not good.
1: yeah. I'm getting uh, some very Scientology kind of vibes off of them, unfortunately.
0: Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Scientology. I cannot wait to talk about that someday.
1: Scientology Uh, is a wild thing. I I recommend that people go out and uh, research some Scientology on your own. But uh, it's a scary
0: organization. Yeah, research (laughs) it from afar, please.
1: (laughs) yeah <laughs> just, just
0: don't try and do any internal research or you'll never get out of one of their trailers in the desert yeah. more on that as we get to california i'm sure but you know yeah, elron we'll El it, it's it's fair to bring it up though because elron hubbard is gonna be a player that we're gonna have to address here in the future too i mean we are going to have to talk through um just he he's so impactful in so many different areas of the occult and all that so again good 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 foreshadowing for the future
1: yeah he he's got also some interesting you know ties to ufos as well and the universe and aliens and all sorts of crazy stuff so we'll get to that later yeah. on and it's it's going to be probably an episode all on its own to oh be fair. definitely
0: now taco loco in twitch chat calls out military command lasts only three to five years that's a great point because these are military folks but the one thing i hope the military is not doing is accusing all their commanders of financial neglect and then sacking them after three to five years because that is not the same that is that is kind of the difference that happened here is is these were military people but the hmm i guess i want to say they kind of use them as sound as scapegoats to just cover up the blunder just like a lot of businesses do right mega companies and corporations do that all the time these days anytime someone says anything they don't like they just sack the person blame it on them probably wasn't even their fault you know they were just the fall guy if if you will so yes sad
1: so it is a very sad thing but that does kind of wrap up nightcap a little bit with i i'd almost say in kind of a nice little bow but at the same time It doesn't matter what it is in the paranormal, the occults, whatever, UFOs, cryptids. I am always left with 20 more questions than we started with. And again, with NICAP, I have more questions. Yeah,
0: I'll say, chat. the one thing that we're going to have to talk about again in the future, this is a lot of foreshadowing, I know, but what Peggy and I, one of our last kind of conversations about NICAP was... Holy crap, all of these people in NICAT are in their own accord related to this, like, oh gosh, that 1950s... Fringe science if you will think manhattan mm-hmm. project think um philadelphia experiment like I'm, I'm teasing a bunch of different things but just to get your yourself in that mindset some of these guys were working on some really crazy fringe science on the side in their labs and stuff so uh, I, I cannot wait all of these people open up a dozen questions so again all the leadership for this organization has a huge history to be explored Finally, our last thing yeah. is NICAP, though, for today, i be mentioning if you guys want to get into the X-Files, which apparently is on Hulu, uh, their first uh, season one episode by the title Fallen Angel actually referenced NICAP a bit in the shape of a researcher uh, named Max, Max Fennig, and that person came back later, season four, but it's kind of neat to see. I mean, X-Files is obviously played well off of the 90s ufo interest and i just love to see they did a, a nicap toss in there i don't know just X-Files did so much great stuff they did and they repped an organization that seemed like they would have been really cool back in their time but not not yes. in my lifetime
1: yes and uh if you haven't watched the x-files if it was before your time it, like kyle said it is on hulu you should go watch it mm-hmm. it's definitely great tv for the 90s
0: yeah and then pagan do you want to you pulled us out some stories from these are from the I national did pull out some
1: stories
0: you got these from the national ufo reporting center is that right i did i oh, did uh,
1: so i'm gonna the first one's kind of long so i'm gonna break it up a little sure. bit and we can kind of talk halfway through because i want to point out some interesting stuff that very much reminds me of betty and barney hill so uh, this took place in Burlington, Vermont, and it was around 11:17 p.m. This gentleman and his wife went out for a ride. They were traveling south on the 190 or 189 I'm sorry. and they see three really bright lights bigger than the full moon or the brightest star flying in a formation then they noticed that the three were flying in a formation and that they were being followed by even more bright lights too many to count however the very front light in the formation shot behind them in the direction of north and it's another one took its place but then the sky got so bright that it looked like it was behind us that the sun had popped out and the light disappeared from behind them And I apologize, chat, if uh, it sounds a little chaotic because the guy who wrote this wrote it very (laughs) chaotically. And I'm trying to make sense of his own writing because I did just copy and paste his thing. I will be honest. Uh, It was so bright that it looked like it disappeared behind them. And they were trying to see where it was and suddenly stopped. And meanwhile, all the lights and all the tails look so far from a distance. And... They were completely in awe, and after a while, there was a craft that was oval-shaped, and it looked like a giant apartment building hovering in the sky that had bright lights up its sides, and that they could see different spots through the side. So that Hmm. kind of, the apartment building and the bright lights and the oval shape, that really resonated with Betty and Barney Hill for me, because if we remember... I believe it was Barney that actually looked and he could see the different kind of windows and the people kind of or the humanoid figures, I should say, moving around inside of them. I don't know if this guy actually saw any humanoid type figures walking around, but the apartment style building kind of shape of it, even though it was in an oval shape, is just extremely interesting to me.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of comparisons to buildings, especially in the stuff we listen to. That also makes me think Exeter Incident that we talked about. They compare it to the yes. size of a barn um, with mm-hmm. a red light there, too. So this idea and, and the swarming idea is another one, too, or multiple lights. So, I, yeah, I, I wish it would be interesting to see if this guy had gotten more. And I know you got a little bit less or I'm sorry, a little bit extra for this this case to drop on yes. us. but. You're right. Something to be said about how it was kind of circling the vehicle in that way or or almost toying with its location feels very reminiscent.
1: Yes, very reminiscent, especially of the Exeter incident, because of the way that it at one point in time, this gentleman felt like he was being chased or they were being followed. Mm -hmm. And I would say that, you know, that was very true of Exeter because uh, the gentleman whose name escapes me at the moment felt like he, it was going to run him down and he ended up in the ditch because of it. Yeah, Muscarello. Muscarello, thank you. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh,
1: so let's carry on. Yeah. And uh, they were sitting on the side of 189 with their hazard lights on and they'd been watching for about an hour, uh, not longer because a vehicle went by on the north or south lanes. I. I, he sounds confused. Yeah, he didn't really know,
0: I can tell. He didn't really right. know
1: which direction it was going. And all of a sudden, a bright light illuminated completely on the bottom side of the craft and shot straight up to the point that the bright light f- light from the bottom of the craft was a little bit bigger and brighter than the North Star in the sky. Oh. Uh-huh. Then they moved so fast in the eastern direction, just flashes of lights. It was all finished about... When it was all finished, it was about 27 minutes long, but it felt like it was, but it was like two hours. It felt like two hours, apparently. The two of them were physically drained from it, and he was driving home. He was so drained that he actually started falling asleep while driving. Wow. His wife was asleep five minutes after it disappeared. Uh, We see planes all the time and different types of helicopters, but because they live close to the runway in Burlington International Airport, the helicopters fly over on the way right to the hospital. It's very noisy. But these crafts were not anything like anything they had ever seen. He truly believes that they were seeing UFOs on America's Independence Day.
0: <sighs> That's... Oh my goodness. So Independence Day throws a little bit of a... Uh, a wrench into things just because of the sheer amount of fireworks and stuff that are launched (laughs) right like i'm that's 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 just a sheer fact that anytime you've got sightings in relation to days where fireworks are going off we often hear flares as the explanation for many things that's what people tried to say the phoenix lights were another famous case we'll talk about in the future when we get to arizona but (laughs) Um, in that case people were you know the, the government was saying oh yeah that was a there was a training test we we're dropping flares and i believe they recreated it in that case they even went up there no, and okay, we're gonna drop these again and they looked nothing apparently like what the people were reporting at the time yes, everyone sounds like correct. no so that idea of fire like okay sure i don't really honestly know what a dud firework looks like when it goes up there I, i've never to my knowledge seen one So, uh, you know, just understandable that there's stuff going into the air that night, stuff exploding, lots of lights, potential. But at the same time, I also can pick out a firework from afar when I do see one go off. I'm pretty sure I know what that looks like. I do recognize that weather conditions can play havoc on that. Um, But also, you know, aircraft going over the sky. Uh, A lot of us are very familiar with what aircraft looks like. and And I know that it can be distorted again when the situation's right. But these these cases, especially like the three that we've just tied together, oh, let me exclude this one for a second, but let's say, you know, Betty and Barney Hill and Exeter, um, two local mm-hmm. ones, those are people that claim to get really, really, really good looks at this and they still turn down the aircraft thing, saying no sound, uh, you know, just didn't match. So this is ultra reminiscent and not far either from, from where these no, other cases not happen. Far.
1: No, not far at all. And I guess that, you know, despite the fact that it was on, you know, Independence Day and everything as well, the fact that it looked like the giant apartment building, Mm -hmm. that's the one that's like, there's no firework anywhere that looks like that. Now, they can make firework shapes that do that, but it's going to be an outline shape. That's it. And then it's eventually going to fade away. It's not going to do a whole lot the fact that this actually did that and it was this oval shape that looked like a giant apartment building hovering in the sky and there were other bright lights and all this other stuff. I don't believe that it was fireworks. I believe he saw something uh, as to what it was. I don't know, but it does sound a lot like Betty and Barney Hill's case.
0: And, you know, since we're kind of having our nice little relaxed fit style tonight, we're talking about this. Let's actually see. Um, I'm using, I'm using Google maps here on the side. So, that case was Burlington, uh, Vermont, and Burlington, Vermont, yes. we're looking. I, I kind of went over to Lancaster. Just uh, I, I took the road, a uh, route over to Lancaster, which is about where the hills saw theirs. It's only two mm-hmm. hours away, and it looks like the majority of that drive is made long because of the kind of mountainous region that you're having to kind of veer around right. and stuff. So, if you're talking aerial phenomena between those two locations, I mean, goodness knows that's. Especially for craft shooting at the speed these guys are talking about, oh, probably right. thirty seconds to get there. I don't know. Two hours by car, thirty seconds by hyper hypersonic speed. Um, it, it's it fits the mo of the things that are happening in the backyard there. I find that very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. I, think I, a- I think I completely
1: agree. I think that there's so much associated between these states and you know we could even go so far as to throw in the Berkshire event as well in Massachusetts which Mm -hmm. we'll be talking about when we get there but if you get to those cases and they those ones plus this one this one I believe was I want to say this was 2015 that this was recorded I'd have to go back and look but I believe it was 2015 but The fact of the matter is that we're still seeing things that are similar to cases that are well over 50 years apart. Yeah. Is just extremely interesting. And it just kind of, I would say, even adds more credibility to Betty and Barney's case, to be fair.
0: I like the line in that one also where we talk about being drained because apparently... Uh, and this is going to get into that thicker meteor ufology stuff for the future. but there are connections with both damage to the bodies of people that see UFOs sometimes meaning uh, I, in reading the Mothman prophecies book um, by Kiel, he talks about kind of the the rays I, I think he calls them itinic rays that come off of UFOs. I admit that's a little bit above my knowledge base but it's he equates it to being zapped by uh, uv radiation so those that are looking at a ufo may actually have conjunctivitis the following days where their eyes are all puffy and sore and stuff so this kind of weird physical manifestation um that's that's where keel was talking about damage to the body but then there's other cases that kind of talk about how it might be kind of it might be using your energy to mm-hmm. manifest so feeling drained afterwards I, I guess i guess for those that are just nuts and bolts thinkers out there this might be a foreign concept of ufos but okay, we've teased it before not everyone believes they're physical metal crafts flying around the sky some people think yes. they might be more psychically inclined or energetically driven so I
1: don't know. And you know, that energy drain also is not just a UFO alien type phenomena. We see that a lot in the paranormal type phenomena as well, where a spirit will basically use your energy and drain you of your energy and other energy along with like electronics and all that to manifest. Yes. Or to communicate or to do something. And so is it so far as to say completely out of the spectrum that aliens could do the same thing? I don't think so. I think that they, in some ways, there's, you know, Kyle and I, you and I have talked about this before, kind of behind the scenes, that perhaps they're all connected in some way, shape or form. And this is kind of one of those things that kind of really puts that nail in the coffin, so to speak, of saying that, yes, they might actually be connected
0: yeah, I think they, that's like the ultraverse or something like that. Yes. Super spectrum is another part, another term for it. This is, again, I'm pulling on my uh, John Keel knowledge here, Mothman stuff. But that's a fantastic—I uh, I really think as we dive in and get deeper into UFOs, we keep going doing our state-by-state thing. I think we're going to—you and I personally and our audience that are just hearing this, our goal always being to bring stories to your attention that— the many of these cases you can just go through your life being like yeah I know a couple UFO stories and that's fun but there's so many of them out there and some of them are really well documented or at least have some very compelling information whether you're a believer or not um I think it's fascinating because it does make you scratch your head and go wow that's weird like you said how do we have these cases for over 50 years that are manifesting the same results the same stories same details and yet mm-hmm. They are still have no explanation. They apparently have very little interest from those that have money or power. So the question becomes why? And I don't know what can we do. What's our part in this whole whole I'd thing? I say,
1: you know, and I'm. I quickly we have one more case, and we'll go over that very quickly here in just mm-hmm. a moment. But in those regards, I think that there's. I think that there is a generalized connectivity of all things and it's you know in the pagan side of things and the the witchcraft side we we see very much that everything is connected That there is this great kind of energy connection so why couldn't it be the same for those you know i'm going to throw the term out there because it is in kill's book and he does talk about it and i believe that they call them ultra terrestrials right where yeah. everything is one in the same or they are all linked in some way or come from the same kind of I guess energy plane of sorts. And so there's no reason why we couldn't say that's potentially aliens could do the same. I don't know. Uh, but before we run out of time, let yes, me please. let's talk about this other case really quick. That also has more ties back to Betty and Barney Hill and the Exeter case. So this gentleman uh, lives in Eden, Vermont. He and his wife on August 13th, it was a Sunday and they were outside uh, with their three year- old daughter. Uh, and oh, I'm sorry, they on Saturday, August 15th, there's three different dates in this thing. I didn't even realize I apologize. <laughs> August 15th, approximately 9:10 p.m from the Northwest, uh, where the Big Dipper would be uh, noticed a bright light coming towards him from the two bottom stars making the base of the big D- Dipper. Top even more than it would or the base the Big Dipper pot. And these this object was a massive orb with no sound whatsoever. He knows it wasn't a plane because there was a few that had flown over with their standard red and green lights and the sound of jet engines. Jola his wife was inside. He was calling for her, but some reason she couldn't hear him, even though all of the windows or most of the windows were open. He ran inside and to call her out to witness this, but she still couldn't hear him as if his voice was muted. He quickly grabbed his camera and went outside to snap photos.
0: Hmm. So what's this again? I ran inside to call her as a witness, but she Mm -hmm. still didn't hear me almost like my voice was muted. Mm -hmm. That stuff gets interesting. I have heard... Uh, I don't want to say, I am i don't want to quote or misquote off the top of my head, but that sounds very familiar. Kind of this localized uh, amnesia or localized kind of physical altering around these events as if... And I guess this isn't limited to UFOs either because it, it comes to mind with things related to the paranormal where something can happen ultra localized in one room, whether someone's <laughs> seeing something, experiencing something, um, physically feeling something, maybe if it's even like the house is rattling, but only to certain people in a certain space. It's like this hyper yes. localized thing. Like how bizarre to just be her not to be able to hear him. Like, and it, you know, scary. it
1: kind of begs this interesting question that's, Perhaps there was some sort of, I guess it's more of a theory than a question, mm-hmm. that perhaps maybe he was actually still outside, and he was thinking he needs to run inside, and was kind of seeing it, but they were not, at, he, he wasn't actually doing it. But going forward, I didn't actually put it in the notes. He actually did take photos oh. and all that, so he did submit them, but they were not visible to the public they were only visible
0: to this uh oh really the national ufo reporting center huh i didn't know that they huh well that's kind of cool that they were out there i mean uh, hearing that he grabbed the camera makes me think he actually went into the home unless he had that camera on him yeah
1: i believe so too but it's just it's an interesting thing that you know you kind of hear about these people that are like oh i did this And then they never actually did. They're still standing.
0: Ah, yes. Oh, man. This is why the UFO sort of thing is so hard to put together. Uh, And I hope that's kind of what we have showed you guys this episode is just how different the experiences can be. And when you're getting them on the scale that NICAP or this other agency i mean this other group's running on a shoestring budget of five thousand dollars compared to what we say NICAP's like 2020 mm-hmm. fee of about 350k a year yeah. that's a lot of money so i guess technology has maybe helped downscale some of it right that we said we talked about how NICAP wanted to use all this cool technology and and this ufo group is is getting to use some tech. I don't think to the degree, I, I'm doubting that the UFO Center has any sort of really algorithm or program attached to it. I get the feeling it's just boots on the ground, again, kind of like a very sh- skeleton crew putting it together. Maybe not the expertise needed, yes. not to the scale of NICAP. So I wish we were exploring these. Like, I wish we had people to go out there and do it. And hopefully someday, Pegan, you and I get to do that and go follow up on I some of these so cases. I as
1: well, because like... These people, I would like to see those photos. I would like to talk with these people because I would really like to get kind of almost a read on that guy to kind of see if his wife actually did hear him or she was doing that whole wonderful marriage thing of you're just spouting off nonsense. I don't even hear you. I'm ignoring you. Selective listening. And if it does happen. If those of you who are married out there, you know what I'm talking about. It does happen and so at that point in time i kind of curious if that's the case if she actually didn't hear him or if perhaps maybe she has hearing issues that could be another thing and didn't know about it at this time or didn't realize her hearing issues might have been so bad so I don't know I would like to talk with both of these people and learn more about them especially the first one because his was a bit chaotic and I'd like to kind of get a more... I guess, down-to-earth kind of analysis from him as well.
0: Yeah, by the way, as someone that has, like, these notes right in front of me, Pagan was a real champ reading that out loud. It it sounded—I was a little bit confused hearing it, but holy crap. I mean, it it is written in a very—like, it was all over the place a bit, especially (laughs) when he didn't know which was north and south. And, I mean, I get that that's part of it. We're not making fun of the the person. It's just—it's a chaotic event when you're trying to get this stuff recorded— um, we I think we talked about this on air last time, but I guess this. Is, um, and if we didn't, this would be our takeaway. Remember, everybody, if you're trying to catch uh, UFOs or any kind of footage, documentation is so, so, so important to the point that I, I'm kind of working. I forgot about this, pig and I had in the works an article with some best tips and practices that I want to get out there for people. Because we see a lot of things um, on YouTube and the like where people are recording it and then they... Or they're recording mm-hmm. with a phone, a modern, nice, like, iPhone or Android. And then they just – they lose focus on it by turning the camera themselves. They're probably getting distracted in the heat of the moment. But the danger to that is anytime your, your, your source leaves the field of view you on your phone, it's very easy for people to edit and manipulate, put cuts in there while the thing's away. And then, you know – and we've seen that, too. You and I have debunked some videos yeah. that aren't super realistic about it. So when people can – if you guys ever have a strange encounter – first thing to do would be collect yourself you know realize what you're seeing is strange but also remembering that wow you got this amazing phone that uh, you know stamps it with the time the date and all this other cool stuff so as long as you're recording it doing a good job um don't even focus on pictures because pictures again super easy to fake they're not worth much in the they, they I hate to invalidate photos but they're not that they're so easy to manipulate so just be yes. trying to get as much succinct info as you can and back it up, too, because a lot of these stories end with people saying we had really good evidence and then it disappeared. So use those clouds, use those USBs, you know, get them out there and save in multiple formats. Uh, and I think I can only submit it to Chaos and Shadow. Yes, just that that brings us <laughs> into the wrap up to say you guys, plug. <laughs> totally shameless plug. Go over to chaosandshadow.com. Submit your stories using our submission uh, at the form at the very bottom of the page. Um, that thing is really, really amazing. We get your stories. There's an option if you want to have us share them or not. I was thinking, mm-hmm. Pagan, we should probably change that to if people want us to share their names with it or such. Because some of these cases are just absolutely fascinating. And we do not need yes. to you know, link their their person to this case. But just to have these on on hand is... Very interesting because what you guys are submitting to us really resonates with a lot of just different cases. So if you go to do it, also include what your you know, location is and all that other stuff so we know where in the globe you might be experiencing this. Um, also, yes, would you like to tell them a bit of what's going on on Patreon lately, Pagan?
1: Oh, my goodness. Busy. There is so much going on on Patreon. We have the $5 roll
0: mm-hmm. gets you
1: so much great stuff. And one of the great things that it gets you actually went out today from Kyle. And that was you got to preview his brand new mini on Patreon today. Yeah. And it actually launched tomorrow, correct?
0: Yeah. So that's the, Benny, the Betty and Barney Hill one that I started. And before we even knew that they were going to have a tie into this, that was kind of a weird synchronistic <laughs> sort of thing. Um, yes. So patrons got that early today. Uh, today, yes. meaning Thursday, the September 3rd. Uh, Friday, yes. that will be live for everybody. And to our patrons, that was us kind of playing catch up. So in the future, patrons should get them like five days early instead of just one. But you've yes. got two Definitely. episodes in one week, both the sleep paralysis and Betty and Barney Hill. Boom.
1: We also did a really great Pisces full moon tarot read, which I did. And that was on Tuesday. That was for our Tuesday tarot. And those are free on Patreon. And then for our seeker role, uh, I did an article on Wendigos. So if you are interested in the cryptid of Wendigos, head over to Patreon and consider subscribing. Because that's the only way you're going to get access to it. It's so worth it. It's totally worth it. It's such a great article. I had so much fun researching it. And so much so that I still have so much research on Wendigos that we're going to do an episode just on Wendigos. I guarantee it.
0: Yeah. Pagan and I had a brief aside Um, where we're, you know, content collecting, we're getting all of our thoughts together to make content, I should say. And we're like, do we want to cover it in this format? What if we do it this way in the future? And I think we looked at each other and we're like, um, people are going to want this no matter what. These stories are so (laughs) fascinating that if we cover one of them in an article in advance, or if we cover in an article, you know, after the fact, it's just going to have, we're going to have that much more information on it all. You know, we're going to have double the sources, double all the material for it. And I, I kind of felt that when I was doing both this prep, right, because we had the hills mm-hmm. in it. And with that mini-sode, um, just to see how much we've changed over the past couple weeks, I was looking at some of that research. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I need to make sure to highlight this and that and, like, things that had mm-hmm. kind of slipped past. So very, very exciting. I love it. I love it. And then, then coming on Patreon, mm-hmm. we have
1: one more big thing. Yeah. And that is going to be we are going Kyle and I are going to be recording the bonus episode this weekend that's going to be coming out next
0: week. Uh like, yeah, I that is coming out Yeah, schedule. we won't give you guys an absolute date on that. That's to come out the week but of the will- 7th. But we've yeah. got new content coming like every single day minus I think it's Friday. No, I no, who knows? We'll let you know, Chad. You're getting something oh new no. pretty much every day at this rate, <laughs> looking at this schedule. Uh, you and I spread it out so well that I, I think there's something new yeah. premiering every single day now. So, there is something, yes. Definitely uh, I, something. We impressed even myself in that case. <laughs> so look forward to it chat there's gonna be so so much i'd also say go over check out our twitter chaos and shadow we would love the follows um we are also <laughs> running a giveaway right now you can find that over uh on twitter and it's here on twitch we're gonna include something in the show notes but if you guys want to get a sticker from the show um one of the emotes we have of Louie, my dog feel free to enter in that that will go on for about a week and we'll probably pull it on our next episode so look forward <laughs> Um, We're going to be running those for a little bit. We encourage you. That'll get you through some of the steps there of following on Twitter and joining Discord. Um, We have lots of people over there sharing their stories and chatting. But, Pagan, I think uh, you got anything else you really want to pimp out the people today, or should we let them go with that huge list?
1: I was going to say the only thing else that we need to pimp out for them today is if you haven't already joined the Discord, come over to the Discord. We have a whole section for Chaos and Shadow Mm -hmm. folks. We would love for you to submit your paranormal news articles, your UFO news articles, whatever you want to talk about that's in the realm of the paranormal. Definitely come talk with us over there. It's a great place for you to also connect with me and Kyle. And it's a great time. So head over to Discord, and that is discord.gg forward slash KDS, correct?
0: Yes, KDS. Nice and easy three letters. It'll get you here. Um, also, you can find us through the Discovery thing on Discord if you're familiar. You should be able to type in paranormal when mm-hmm. we should show up as the KDS fam. So keep on the lookout for that. Pagan, thank you so much for coming this week and sharing your immense knowledge. It was lovely to have this kind of breather episode where we could just kind of dork around, look up some facts and figures on stream. Uh, Mm -hmm. I feel really personally good because we got to finish the NICAP thing where we teased it before. And now we got to give you guys a nice rundown on that. We've also teased... A lot of concepts for you guys to go out and research. So look at that. Oh, and I guess I will tap on tack on one last and say, Twitch. We're live on Thursdays, 7 p.m. Eastern time, recording the show. We're doing <laughs> a sub goal here on the channel. If you want to subscribe on Twitch, we're trying to do a paranormal movie night. So if you have a subscription, if you're out there and you've got Amazon Prime, that counts as a free subscription every month. So if you're not already using that, It is well worth figuring out how. I mean, we can help you with that. You can Google it. There's lots of guides and videos and all that jazz. But that is a cool way that if you're already paying for Amazon Prime, you can drop that Twitch sub. Helps us hit our goals. Helps us stay funded. You know, growing this brand out. Growing out our research. So that comes from the bottom of my heart. Thank you to everyone that has done that. We love all the people that have been supporting on Patreon. We love the people that have been watching and, and just giving us such great feedback overall. It means a lot to us. And uh, that's all I've got for you this week. There's my mushy ending chat. So <laughs> thank you all for listening. And uh, we'll catch you next week as we continue with Vermont and get into cryptids, which they are loaded with. Yes! Yeah, there's some great cryptids, y'all. That's well, I gonna... can't wait
1: to talk about them next week. We will see you all next week. Thank you so much for joining
0: us and have a great weekend, everybody. Yes, chat. We'll talk to you soon. Bye bye.